Hi everyone, and welcome to this series of additional recordings intended to provide you with information on some other legal issues you may encounter while doing disaster recovery work. After the flood events of 2021, lots of people had questions about housing law and in particular, residents covered by the Residential Land Lease Communities Act, more commonly known as caravan parks. The floods had a significant impact on people living in caravan parks where floodwaters caused damage to caravans or cabins that they were either renting directly from the park or that were owned by residents who paid site fees to park operators. In some cases, entire parks were inundated. Almost 20% of all DRLS services provided by solicitors during the 2021 floods were to residents of caravan parks. The services we provided included advice and more extensive assistance, including casework. The issues in relation to caravan parks included landlords and park owners continuing to charge rent or site fees where properties were uninhabitable, who was responsible for cleanup, maintenance and repair, terminations of tenancies based on uninhabitability, and vans owned by low-income clients without insurance being damaged beyond repair. We will now hear from David Maloney about the complexities of the law covering this area. My name's David Maloney. I'm a senior solicitor at Legal Aid. I work in the Parramatta office. Um, prior to working in the Parramatta office, I was working in the housing team um, here at head office in Legal Aid. And then prior to that, I was working as a tenant advocate in the TAP service. What we found in the... Um, recovery centres was there were a lot of clients who were residents of um, parks that were, had their um, homes affected by the flooding. Prior to um, the recovery centres, in a general sense, most parks matters go to the tenants' union. They sort of deal with them and are the sort of statewide experts in, in that field. But given the nature of the recovery centres and the amount of people that were coming in, um, Legal Aid saw a lot of clients that were, were affected who were residents of parks. One of the first issues that we have to address when we see clients in the recovery centres is what agreements they have and what legislation covers them. Living in a park, you could be either a tenant covered by the Residential Tenancies Act, you could be a permanent um, resident covered under a site agreement under the Residential Land Lease Communities Act, or you could be um, an occupant under the Holiday Parks Act. And there are three very different pieces of legislation have different rights and responsibilities attached. And so one of the first things is to identify what sort of agreement the client had with the operator and then what rights and responsibilities they had. And what kind of questions are you asking clients to get that kind of information? Do you have a copy of a signed agreement? If not... Um, do you live at the park permanently or not? Do you own your own dwelling? So the indicators would be residents who don't own the dwelling that they're in, they just pay rent. It's most likely they'd be covered by the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, clients who own their dwelling, their caravan or their movable dwelling, um, they could be either under the Land Lease Communities Act or the Holiday Parks Act. Now, the difference in those two acts is under the Holiday Parks Act, it's not your permanent place of residence. So residents are only allowed under the law to stay in the park up to 180 days in any calendar year. If you're 
a permanent resident, that's an indicator that there's probably a site agreement and you're covered by the Land Lease Communities Act, which gives a lot more rights to residents in a park. When you were at the recovery centre, what were the main issues that you were seeing with these types of residents? So we had recovery centres in um, northwestern Sydney in the Hawkesbury-Windsor area, and they were the ones that I was um, mostly going to. And I was also providing backup to the Port Macquarie area. And they were quite different. The parks in Windsor, Hawkesbury, Wiseman's Ferry area were mostly tenants in the parks. A lot of them were in temporary accommodation because their homes were, were destroyed um, or uninhabitable. And so what we were looking there is either terminating the residential tenancy agreement and um, getting any overpaid rent repaid back to the tenants or getting a rent abatement until they were allowed back in and then any rent reductions or repairs that um, needed to be done to get the place back to being habitable. In the Port Macquarie area, we found um, most of our clients from the parks were residents with a site agreement. And so it makes terminating the agreement um, a lot harder, a lot more difficult because they have to move their home and there's, there's a whole lot of other issues that come into play. And so most of our work in that area was advising and advocating on behalf of clients to make sure that they had a site fee abatement for the period that the property was uninhabitable. And there's a few ongoing matters where the damage caused by the floods has damaged the actual site, not not the home, and trying to enforce our clients' rights to have the site repaired and brought back to a state of habitability. So if somebody listening wants to find out even more information about these types of issues, where should they go? Um, Get onto the intranet site, onto the housing team. Um, There's a whole lot of information there um, on the intranet page and also contact any of the solicitors within the housing team. They'll be more than happy to help. And if a solicitor who is out at a recovery centre wants to actually ask uh, a question or pass a question over to a specialist housing lawyer, is that an option as well? Yep. So during the recent floods matters, um, I was providing backup to a lot of the solicitors in in both areas where the recovery centres were. And then I took on some of the more difficult casework. And so um, I've got at least one matter that's about to go to the tribunal and another, or two matters that are about to go to the tribunal. Really, for the the recovery centres, what's important to keep in mind is try and identify what agreement is in place between the clients and, and the landlord or operator of the park. What is the extent of the damage to the property and making sure they're, they're hooked up with other services so they've, they've got accommodation if they, if they can't stay in their property. For any ongoing matters that are a bit more complex, like trying to enforce um, site fee abatements or rent abatements or um, termination, um, you can always contact the housing team and, and get that further assistance and if not, pass on the matters. Residents often have questions about cleanup and retrieving their belongings from a dwelling, especially directly after the disaster. Do you have any tips for us around those types of common issues? So under a, a residential tenancy agreement, uh, and we saw this a lot out in the Windsor, Windsor area, clients wanted to terminate their agreements because they couldn't get back into the property and they'd been offered housing through DCJ Housing or one of the community housing providers. 
and there's grounds under the Act to terminate for frustration of the agreement if the property becomes partially or wholly uninhabitable. One of the indicators to determine whether the termination has happened is a client has to give vacant possession. That means get all of their goods out, but it's not totally necessary to to affect the, the termination. Once the council came into those parks in the Windsor area, they gave certain times and days where clients could go back into the park and retrieve any goods um, and do whatever they needed to do. And so we were able to advocate and organise with the, with the council, with the park operators, time for the clients to go in and get, get whatever goods they could get. And then the park operator was happy to accept termination with a waiver to say anything that's left behind is considered um, rubbish and, and will be disposed of. And most of our clients were happy with that. There was, there was stuff that was just not retrievable because of the extent of the damage. But that might not always be the case. But it's going to depend on whether there's access or access has been denied by council and then whether access has been denied by the operator. And then that's that's a space that we can advocate to allow our tenants or our clients to get in and, and get their goods. One good tip is that at the recovery centres, at the start of the day, there's there's a meeting between all of the services that are participating, including council. Um, it's really good to be involved in those meetings, find out what the other agencies are doing and when they're doing it. Again, going back to the Windsor this, um, example, council were involved in those early morning meetings and they gave us times and dates when clients could go in and get their goods when the park wouldn't be closed. Um, it's really important to set up that communication with other agencies so you know, one, to give what legal advice to give our clients, but two, when you need to refer or give practical solutions to overcome different obstacles that they're facing, that you're aware of where that information is and, and can refer them accurately. So before we finish up, is there anything else you think it's important to flag in this space? One main issue you might see that I found in the recent floods and also in the bushfires was there was a period when landlords and park operators were willing to abate the rent for the for when it was clearly uninhabitable, when they had to be evacuated or when there was council orders to prevent clients from going back into the property. But not soon after, they started charging the rent again at the full rate and um, put pressure on clients to say that they had to pay that rent. Now, that's not necessarily the case. And it's it's really important to, as I said earlier, get an idea or an understanding or instructions of what agreement the client is covered by and then making sure that they're not being charged rent when it's not due under the legislation. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, David.